Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Wherever you are, be seated, gather in. We are fired up to be together here, aren't we live? 12 Stone Live, wherever you are. Let me hear it, Sugarloaf. You're delighted, yeah. And wherever you are, 12 Stone Live Campus, wherever you are, 12 Stone Home, wherever you are online, we are gonna have a great day together. God's gonna teach us some stuff. Oh, it is gonna transform the way you think and the way you live, and hey, chocolate's involved, so who doesn't love, how many love chocolate? Come on now, yeah, you know that's part of the deal, but we got a question right off the top, so let's get to the question. How do you build a solid life? No, listen, we're all asking that. You're asking and answering that question, even if you don't use those words, you're doing that all the time, all day, all the time. You, you want a solid education? Oh, you want a solid career? You want solid finances? Oh, you want solid relationships? Hey, you want to work for a solid company? If you're hiring, hey, you, you, want, to, you want to hire solid people. See, whether you know it or not, you want a solid marriage. By the way, our film crew did a little, some interviews uh, with some couples who have more experience in marriage and asked, how do you build solid? I loved this response. Check it out. We, we decided a long, long, I mean, like when we first got married, we decided a long time ago that uh, I would make all the big decisions. She would make all the little decisions. And after 31 years of marriage, we've never had a big decision to be made. And I told him, I'll let him know when we do. <laughs> that's, that's our way of, that's our golden rule. <laughs> I that's a good you. one. That, I, I was like, where's that going to go? <laughs> <laughs> How many of you have figured out who's making the big decisions? <laughs> Who's making the little decisions? Yeah, we eventually all figure it out. And you want to know how do you stay married for a long time? Just take that advice, wrap it up. You're good to go for years to come. You know, the question really is, how do you build solid? Oh, well, we'll have fun with it. But I know that's the question because I know what we're not asking. I, I jotted down some, I'll bet this never happened. Let me, let me let's just read what I jot down. You'll get it. I'll bet no doctor has been asked, Doc, how can I crash my health to induce ongoing pain and suffering? I'll bet nobody sat down and said, Doc, help me. <laughs> I, I'll bet no single person has asked this advice of their friend. Ah, listen, I... I want a date, so tell me, how can I be unattractive and nauseating to potential dates? You're not asking that. I'll bet, I'll bet no financial advisor has been asked, can you, can you guide me into financial ruin? I would just love to crash and burn my financial future. You're not asking that. I'll bet no marriage counselor has been asked, could you teach us how to hollow out our relationship and 
end up empty and loveless? We're not asking that. Because everyone wants to build solid. Everyone wants to build what, everybody? Solid. Of course we do. And yet we end up with hollow lives again and again. So somewhere along the line, we're deciding what makes something hollow and what makes it solid, or we think we're pursuing solid, because it doesn't just happen. We're making choices. We're, we're demonstrating what we really believe by what we practice. So how would you fill in the blanks? I got a couple statements for you. We'll put them on the screen here, and you go ahead. You fill in the blank with either hollow or solid. So, so you decide how you're going to fill in the blank. Here we go. Everyone who hears the teachings of Jesus and puts them into practice gets a blank life or marriage. Would you insert hollow or solid? Likewise, in converse, but everyone who hears the teachings of Jesus and does not, so hears teaching, but uh, you do not put them into practice gets a what? A hollow life, a hollow marriage, or a solid? See, you, you've decided what produces a hollow life and a solid life based on what you really believe and what you really believe is what you really practice. It doesn't really matter what you say. Words are cheap. Words are easy. What you actually practice reveals what you believe. And those right there, those two statements, those are the words of Christ from Matthew chapter 7. Now we're going to get back to that. To where we're going to go today. See, we're in this month to build marriage. Now, it's more than marriage. If you're single, these are relationship principles that are going to help you. If you're, if you're dating, if you're, if you're divorced, if you're remarried, emptiness, or wherever you are in the journey, it's going to help. It's going to help you at home. It's going to help you at work. It's going to help you in the community. It's going to help us in the church. But, but we're leaning into marriage. We're using the tool of the second happy. A lot of you picked it up. Others of you are like, oh, I got to go do that. Great. And, and, and in this book, we're, we're just addressing the reality that when you get married, you tend to be happy, Marsha and I were, but you tend to lose happy with time. Like, as we've said, you pick up a house. You love it. You fall in love. Dream home. And then you find its flaws, and you're not so happy with it any longer. And well, Let's just sell the thing. Let's have a do-over. But there's a new trend. Renovate your house. Marsha and I did that with our house. We're like, oh, there's the flaws and the problems. You know what? Let's reinvest. And we reinvested in the same house, and we fell back in love with the same house. Second happy, if you will. We're convinced that is true for marriage. Everybody goes through unhappy. But if you will invest, reinvest in your marriage, well, you'll find the second happy. And everybody doesn't find it, but you can. So how do you renovate your marriage? Well, there's seven practices that we're looking at together. Here are the seven practices of the chapters of the book. They're pictures, they're practices, things that help you. And we're, we're picking up four of these in the weekend teaching. And then, and then we're picking up the others on Tuesday night, re referencing them. Because in this whole month, Tuesday night is date night. And you get to jump in on the date night. And, and then the end of the whole series, we are having a vow renewal experience that is going to be awesome together. You can go to the secondhappy.com to get all that. But here are the second seven practices. Number one, first practice, break the quit cycle. Second practice, hands up prayer. Third practice, pick a fair fight. Spent time on that last weekend. Fourth, take a knee or two. Fifth practice, don't settle for the hollow Easter bunny. Sixth, evict the elephant. Seven, choose your bucket 
wisely. Now, in light of where we started the whole service, can you figure out which one we're leaning into today? Just tell me how sharp are you? Tell your neighbor, there was a clue at the beginning. Yeah, don't settle for the hollow Easter bunny. So let's talk about how, how many of you, you, uh, you love that Easter bunny basket thing. How many of you got Easter baskets when you were a kid? Like you wake up, you, how many of you did it for your kids? Okay, Marsha and I, we, we've done it for our kids. Great fun, awesome stuff. And, and, and when I got mine as a kid, I love chocolate. Who doesn't? Yeah, me too. So I, I, wanted, I wanted a solid Easter bunny. I, I really did. And the majority of time, it, it, it was hollow. You could go ahead and awe. Just awe. Thank you. I, I sense your lack of sincerity, and I'm most appreciative. But these right here, these are the bunnies of my dreams. <laughs> I mean, these two-foot things are fantastic. Yeah, but they're not the bunnies of my dreams. I, I am, right? Sorry. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so you got to, like, take two. Can we do this again? I mean, I love chocolate, but I'm a dark chocolate person. Okay. Woo! Wow, there's a... Okay, I curiosity, wherever you are, how many of you are dark chocolate? Like, if you had your choice... Oh, how Can interesting. I how many of you are milk chocolate? How many of you don't care if it's chocolate? It's just chocolate. <laughs> We're a bit of an opposites attract couple. So there you go. But I, I ordered these. But so. I will take the milk chocolate yeah. if it's the only so, thing so, available. So one of these is hollow and one of these is solid. And, and a lot like life and, and, and marriage, you can't tell when you look at it. So let me just play a little game here. Which one's hollow and which one's solid? You're, so so we'll do it like here. I'll, I'll call it my right and my left. So I'll just put that. How many of you think, um, we'll just, we'll go with solid. How many of you think this one's solid? Hands up across all the campuses, a 12 stone home. How many of you think this one's solid? Hands up across all the campuses, 12 stone home. Okay, you ready? How are you going to find out? Well, it's just like marriage. It's just like life. If you put it under pressure, you'll figure it out, right? So I'll just, oh my. Okay, I think that's solid, but I don't know. I might be incapable of breaking it. Not a lot of grip oh. strength. Whoa. Oh, who got it right? How many of you <laughs> proud of yourself? How many of you want some chocolate? Well, here's the reality. It's when you put it under pressure. You see, the solid one takes, most people wouldn't know this, 75% more chocolate than the hollow. Like, it's been poured into you want a, a solid marriage, you're right. You want a solid marriage under pressure, you're going to have to pour into it. It takes a lot more effort, a lot more energy, but it lasts. It costs more, but it's worth more. And you and I have had our marriage experiences. Oh, yeah. um, we were happy at first, I do. And then we experienced all sorts of things that we were making hollow decisions. Um, one of them we talked about this week, we thought, ah, well, that's as good as any, um, was our socializing efforts. Yes, um, somehow for us to, to socialize with others was a problem because I would invite people over and she would get mad. I mean, yeah, we're talking about spur of the moment. Like we have church. We actually had an evening service and he would be, oh, hi, how are you? Why don't you come on over? Like literally then. Like I, he would say, they're going to follow us home and then we'll, you know, 
Make sure everything's ready and get it all put together. Yeah, isn't that awesome? <laughs> like I'm in the lobby. I met them. They seem like nice people. I'm, we're pastoring. Let's invite them over. Okay, let's do that. I did. When? Now. And I don't know why that has to be a problem. But well, and there was no, like, they were literally following you home because you didn't have, oh, I'll give you your address, put it in your iPhone, use your GPS. This was the 80s. So literally when I opened the door, they were right behind me. And Which no was awesome. Prep. No prep. Just spur of the moment. Have a party. It was great. So, but she wouldn't have a party. She's ticked, annoyed, undercurrent. I'm like, well, you're killing us. Anyhow, <laughs> you have to figure out, like, how do you navigate pressure? Because you're producing pressure for each other. It produces pressure on the relationship. You're like, you're like what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Well, you're making hollow decisions where you are. You, does Scripture have anything to say about this stuff? So when Scripture says, like in Matthew 20, uh, Jesus teaching his disciples, and they're arguing over who's more important. Like, who has the power here? Who should be served? And they're like, oh, I'll, I'll be served. I'll take it. I'll, I'll be served. I'll be the most important. And then Jesus says, yeah, that's how the world does it, not in my kingdom. Well, let me say it differently. Not, not in your marriage. Not in your marriage. You don't fight to be served. You go, you go figure this, because those are hollow decisions. When it's about you, it's about self, rather than out-serving the other. So we had to figure this out. And eventually, which I don't know why it took us so long, but it was like a year or two. Always funny. I invited him over. You kill. I did. You know. And always my, just because I am introverted, it's like, no, please. You know, it's, there was more to it than just getting mad at you. It was also a, a, something inside of me. Well, and I'm like, be hospitable, which wasn't nice. I'm like, why are yeah, you not being, I the Bible hospitable. says be hospitable. So I tried. <laughs> But then we figured out why, why it was breaking down, and you were embarrassed. Right. I, um, for me, like, I wanted everything to be ready. And so if I didn't know it was coming, I may not have enough food, in my opinion, for these people. What if they wanted something I didn't have? It, it, that kind of thing. Or what if I had left, you know, a basket of laundry in the middle of the floor and as soon as they come in the house, there it is sitting there. I mean, these are the things that go on in my head when we're trying to do this. And so I can't really engage with the person because I'm thinking of all these, like the, the Mary Martha thing, all of these things that need to be done. Now, just pause right here. When you hear it, you're like, well, that's not dramatic. Yes, it was. Things are cracking. This was falling apart. Right. And, and what's wrong with you? Well, what's wrong with you? Well, how come you can't understand this? Well, how come you can't understand this? I mean, it, it, it took, I, I don't yeah, know why it, it took so long. It became kind of an argument each time because I'm like, no, no. And it's I'm like, like oh, yes, party, have fun, I enjoy mean, people. This is what we this do. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, people are yeah, awesome. And exactly. we pastor. Remember, we, yeah, but... <laughs> When I finally listened, I said, okay, I got to understand this. We decided to prepare for spur of the moment. Did you get that? It's a simple solution. Okay, whenever you think, there, when we leave the house, it has to be ready. Well, I didn't want to get the house ready, but okay, we get the house ready. We have the food. We have everything ready. And she says, we are prepared for you to be spur of the moment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Do you see it? You have to figure out, how are we going to outserve one another? Anyhow, the fussels. Oh my, this is a delightful couple. And they're one of them that were interviewed by our film, film crew. And, and, and well, they just have a little moment in conversation about out serving. You have to enjoy this. 
Oh, I totally outserve him. Huh? Every day. Keep dreaming. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> we we actually have an ongoing thing between the two of us. We uh, have a running who can outserve who. I'm winning. I'm just winning. He's totally not winning. He always thinks he's winning. He's not winning the outserving thing. I'm the chef, so I'm, every time I make a meal, boom, that, that, those like that's a million points, you know. <laughs> Doing the, the things that I know she likes, you know, whether it's like, oh, hey, I, I bought this for you without you asking, you know, I buy your clothes, um, you know, oh, you want to get your, you want to you get your. You told them that you buy my clothes. Right. He's still not winning. <laughs> I, I wash and fold those clothes. I bought the washing machine. That was, that was actually a really good gift. <laughs> That was really, really good. I love that gift. Yeah. Okay, he, he gets he gets the points for the washing machine. <laughs> Come on, give it up for the fossils. They are hilarious. By the way, we, we, we love the fossils. They, they do catering, and every year we get our uh, Super Bowl wings from them. So And, you know, and they're going to be a part of this Tuesday's uh, date night. So, oh, awesome. yeah. So that'll, that'll, that'll be, fun. be fun and more fun. And you, how, how are you going to fill in the blanks? For what produces a hollow versus a solid life? That's the question. So let's go right back to Matthew 7. Let, let's put that on the screen. I want us to, to see that together. So therefore, look at this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not, what everybody, fall. Did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. Then Jesus goes on. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it what? Fell with a great crash. Fell with a great what, everybody? Crash. Now, you could insert the word marriage for house. We'd all learn a lot right there. Jesus is painting a picture for us. He said, you're, you're making decisions all the time as to what you think is a hollow life versus a solid life. And here I am giving teachings. This is Jesus. And these are the words of life. They are solid. If you'll build your marriage Build your relationships, build your life, build your world, build your career, build your finances out of my wisdom, out of my truth, out of my principles. Well, storms are going to come. By the way, you notice in both scenarios, same houses, not different houses, same storms, not different storms. It's not like it's not like the, the, the solid house got a pass and gentle rains. Following Christ doesn't mean you have a storm-free life. It means when the storm comes, you are on solid rock. And the power of the truth of Jesus sitting in your soul, pouring into your life, allows you to stand like no one else on earth. Your marriage can stand under pressure like no one else's when it's solid. Now, you don't have to follow Jesus. You know, you can, you can go your own way. But why would you? Because when you don't follow him, it eventually under pressure, it'll fall apart and crash. So there's good news. There's what, everybody? Good news. 
here, here's the good news. Let's put it up here. Right now, you can start making solid decisions. Like, you don't have to wait. It's like the moment you hear this, you can say, oh, God, you know what? It is true. I've been making hollow decisions, and you know what they are. You really do. You know when you make it. You know when you're going after immediate gratification. You know when you're serving yourself. You know when you're going after things that are less. You, you, you know it in the moment. And if not, if you get in God's word, if you listen to his truth, if you go after the things of God, he'll reveal it to you. And then God says, I, listen, Jesus says I have second, third, fourth, fifth chances, not just second chances. But you can, you can stop stupid right now. <laughs> and, and you can start making solid decisions. Just that, just that fast. You, you can take Matthew 7 and just begin to apply it to your life immediately. And one of the ways we taught this to our kids is with Pay than play. Really simple thought. Growing up, we said, if you want to solve the life, you pay, then you play. You pay first. You want a hollow life? You play and then you pay on the back end. Solid is pay now. You pay early so you can play later. Like, like, like that means when you come home from school, you do your schoolwork right away. You just get deep in it. You get it done. You pay on the front end and then you can relax and enjoy the rest of the day and then you'll do well in school and your life is freed up and all of life is like that. You, in your finances, you honor God with first fruits and then and the first goes to God and then you put a little bit away for yourself and save 10 and you live on 80%. When you live inside your means, you do the hard, disciplined, demanding, difficult thing up front. You just pay the price. The backside is awesome. Pour into your marriage early and apply the non-negotiable principles of God. And when you hit empty nester, your marriage is not empty. I'm telling you, there are ways to do life. Or, or you do the immediate gratification, indulgence thing, and you play and then pay. And Listen, when I was writing this, when I was praying this week, I'm going to honor it. There was a moment the Lord said, well, just stop and pray for people. So I know we're just mid-teaching. Can I pray for you? Just bow your heads right now for all who would receive it. Holy Spirit, if we cannot see where we're making hollow decisions, if you'll say this to him, if you'll ask him, he'll show you, would you show me where I'm making hollow decisions? I can't keep making hollow decisions and hoping for a solid life. Reveal it to me, oh God, by your grace, by your strength. By your insight, I say to you, oh God, teach me. And Father, as you arrest our attention, would you give us the courage to own it, the wisdom to understand it, and the strength to make solid decisions. Even right now, as your Holy Spirit reveals it to us, we are aware that there are things right now where we need to start making solid decisions. I pray this grace over our lives in Christ's name. Amen. And when you make solid decisions, let me just add this. It means make the teachings of Jesus non-negotiable. That's what it means. So I want to talk to you about making things non-negotiable. We're going to spend the rest of our time in a, in a story. I'm going to have you meet David and Lonnie Matters. They are friends of ours. They are delightful people. Uh, when I met David, first off, when we met David, it was so quick and easy and immediate. 
uh, there was an affinity, and then we discover we have similar uh, upbringing, single mom home things, and, and like, but they're, these are just sharp people, successful in business, um, they love people well, they, they follow Christ authentically, it's just those kind of people. And so when you meet them, you think, well, okay, this is the couple that has it all together. And what they're going to willingly do is let their story be shared with you. They're in a second marriage, so they have a blended family. And, and in the first marriage, um, that, that was filled with a bunch of hollow, more hollow decisions. It wasn't built on Christ. And the story of what it means to move toward more solid decisions is a profound journey. They're in the book, and they let us tell their story. But one of the things Lonnie said, and I'll just quote, there's a reason why God wants one marriage. You not only bring your stuff into another marriage, but you bring an entire group of people with you and their stuff too. So they're in this blended family, four daughters from David, a son and a daughter from Lonnie, brought together a large family. But, but Lonnie's first marriage was not built on Jesus, and when that went under pressure, it crashed. David's first marriage was not built on and centered in Jesus, and when pressure came, it, it, it fell apart and crashed. Now, when I say David's first marriage with he and Chrissy crashed, I mean it crashed in a way of betrayal and trauma that you can't hardly imagine. And again, with all grace and with their willingness to let us share it here, um, this is how bad it went. David's first wife, Chrissy, um, hired someone to kill him. And so this murder-for-hire story ended up on the Oxygen Channel as a story a few years back and was recently picked up and redone on Dateline and came out this past December. I'm going to let you listen in on how that piece of this story unfolded with about a two-minute video. And then we're going to sit down with David and Lonnie, and I want you to hear what it means to move from making hollow decisions to solid decisions. But here's the story of what David and the family walked through. Listen in. Christine Lombori sent me an instant message, and we were chatting. She was just constantly complaining about her ex-husband. I had kind of gotten tired of it, so I jokingly said, you know, save your money, hire a hitman, LOL. Four hours later, I get this very strange instant message on Facebook saying, will you meet my father for lunch? She didn't take my comments serious, did she? So now I had to know. I agreed to meet him. East Lake Place. I would approach you murder somebody. And what is your name? Patrick Sabo. And who approached you? Father of one of my high school friends, Chrissy. Who do you want to kill? It's Chrissy's ex-husband. He offered me $50,000 from the insurance money to shoot him. Chrissy and I married in 93, and I'm very fortunate in the sense that I have our daughters that came out of that. But there wasn't a whole lot of other light in that 19, almost 20 years. We waited till El Zambori contacted Patrick Zabo. We wanted to set up a meet between El Zambori and Detective Bowersock, who's going to be posing as Vince the Hitman. I was informed that the whole, we killed him, was going to go down. And that there was a Photoshop picture of David Metter killed on Detective Bowersock's phone. My job was to make sure she came to the meeting with Detective Bowersock. She agreed to bring the uh, life insurance policy. Al Zamori and 
Christine Metter show up in Al Zambori's car. And I showed him my phone to show proof of David Metter's death. He saw the photo and I turned my phone off. Okay, put it away. Her showing up to the meeting and evidence being shown that David Metter was shot and killed. And once the insurance policy was produced, both Al and Chrissy were co-conspirators in this murder for hire. Wow. Uh, you know, you can come to church like David and Lonnie and be a part of a church family. And, and when I say, can we put your story in front of everyone? This is traumatic, so thank you. Uh, we're not insensitive to the trauma of that journey. Uh, who can imagine that, right? None right. of us are like, oh, I get that. Um, we, don't, we don't live in that world. I know this has been difficult. Beyond, and those are weak words. <laughs> Uh, for you, for for girls, for you, a lot of this was going on when uh, you were getting together. Um, I don't want to dwell on that story today. What I what I what I would like to talk about, and with your permission, you guys have agreed. When you move from a world that is behind you, uh, and and it's had enough hollow and fall apart kinds of things along the way, uh, that. Uh, by God's grace, you can move to building solid and you can experience transformed life. That's a, that, let's talk about that. How do you, how do you go build that? What, what non-negotiables happened uh, in the journey? And uh, when we kind of talked about and wrote and put some of the pieces of the book together, uh, we wrote our, wait, you have those, right? Yeah. Okay. We have some of our uh, marriage, some of our marriages, some of our family non-negotiables. We're not going to teach them. You can read them just so that they've heard them. They, this is what we mean. You can get the detail in the book. You, we don't have to comment. Just highlight. Number one, spend time with God daily. Number two, worship God together weekly. Three, put God first in finances always. Four, togetherness. Five, speak the truth in love. Six, Gumption and seven blessing others. Gumption. I just <laughs> saying the word makes you kind of smile. It's a weird word to say it. Gumption. I say, okay. All of that is really, yeah, we, we have more, and, and you would have more. We all have our things that, that God forms in you. Okay, they, this is what I understand from the word of God. Now, this has to be non negotiable. Like, we don't make decisions after this. We've made this decision. If we don't have non negotiables based on the word of God, we're going to end up like the hollow. Easter Bunny. So if we're going to build solid, it takes more time, more energy, more effort, a lot more chocolate. It weighs a lot more. It lasts a lot longer, but it's worth it. Well, with you guys, we, we, in fact, we were even talking this week and, and mutually agreed. And would, you would say off the top, we all would. First and foremost, get your life centered in Jesus. Amen, 12 Stone? Get your life centered in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you, you, you guys didn't have your life centered in Jesus early on. Maybe you're in those circumstances as well. But Jesus loves you. He claims to be God. Your creator. It's where you get life and identity. He left heaven. He came to earth. He embodied a physical body. God limited by physical body. And he showed us, hey, you're living in a hollow world. You don't have to. Let me show you a solid life. And then he gives those principles and he says, be Matthew seven kind of people. And through him, you'll find forgiveness of sin. 
So all four of us would say there was a moment when we understood the truth, when we prayed to receive Christ and, and, and we became sons and daughters of the living God. Do that. You can say yes to Jesus, but then more than that, you got to live this out, right? It's not enough to say, oh, oh I'm religious. No, it's not I'm religious. It's I follow Jesus. And, and you do. So thank you uh, for being here and hanging with us. And we want to talk uh, about uh, your story a bit. And from, from what we gathered in the book, I'm going to go back to two or three things that, that we kicked around in the book. And these are uh, your quotes from the book. So coming into a second marriage, you believe you needed to be honest with each other. You might guess where I'm going to go with this. So, uh, here's what you guys said. We shared every failure and shortcoming we could think of, and it became a one-up conversation. <laughs> Talk about that. What is that? Four hours. Yeah. Seven hours total. We, um, I, it would have never happened if we were not already grounded uh, in acceptance with Christ. And so it almost gave us permission to gain acceptance from someone here on earth. And so I can't remember who started. I started it. <laughs> <laughs> she can remember. <laughs> but she threw something out on the table that was, I would say, a five out of ten. And I went, hmm. And then I threw one out that I would say is six out of ten. Or five out of ten. And, and it, As and it, in six out of ten stupid? I'm just going to hollow it could like be stupid, poor choice. It could be stupid, immoral. It could be unethical. It could be, it could be things that we were ashamed of. And, and what, what I found was these were, on my side, these were things that were not accepted by others that I had been, a, you know, whether it was family, friends, business associates, whatever it was, I always held them close, hid them. And I knew that if there was any opportunity to have a, a lasting relationship, that I had to release those. Wow. And so it was, when we say it was a competition, it was truly competitive in nature of one-upping. And what was even more uh, interesting was that we did this in the seven-hour span, and then for a couple months afterwards, we would remember something that we legitimately forgot, and then we'd throw it up on the table. <laughs> but that created that foundation of trust with no cracks in it. It, it, was, it was really important for me uh, to make sure that he knew everything, because ultimately we want to be accepted, right? You're not truly loved, or I don't feel truly loved, if he doesn't truly know who I am. It's just the veneer, it's just the outside. And I wanted him to know the inside. And, and really, if I'm being honest with that, with that conversation, it was, uh, you know what, I'm going to just scare him off now, <laughs> because there is no way that he's going to be okay with this stuff. And if I get it out now, then I can protect myself and all is good. And so that competitive, which neither one of us are competitive, so yeah, sure right. that, uh, it, it, it served a great purpose and it's really been foundational. It is an absolute non-negotiable. Uh, and, and you listen, we're not, this is not perfection here. Uh, we still struggle with that, but we trip, we fall, we're resilient. I love gumption. He knows it's one of my favorites. You just get back up. We're honest as quickly as we can be. Honest with God first and then with each other. And, uh, and that is uh, foundational for us. 
And if you want to know what their six, seven, eight, nine, and ten failures were, they're all listed in the back of the book. It's an appendix. No, okay, no, it's really not. <laughs> Somebody's like, I'll buy the book. I want to see. Your story goes on. Again, I, there's things I want to I want to stay with because this this captivated me. Uh, David, you said we can't go back and fix the pain, shame, and guilt. You remember saying this of our past relationship, but we can replace generational sin with a new legacy of generational love for our new family. Talk about that. First of all, that's a powerful statement. And who doesn't sit in a place where the past, if I can't be forgiven and freed up and move forward, then then I am forever stuck. And you guys were out to build a, a new kind of family. Talk about uh, what that means and uh, what that meant to you guys. Well, that pain, shame, and guilt are those things that have been used um, that you that you wouldn't share, and when you did share them, they were used against you, whether it was in relationship or friendship or whatever those were. And uh, and I saw how not only how it was undoing me, but I saw how it affected my children, and I didn't want that. That was talk about a non-negotiable. I had to figure out how through my relationship with Christ that I could change that decision, you know, that, that chain where we always have this opportunity to make this choice or this choice because God gives us those, how I was going to start and continue to make those choices so that they would positively affect, you know, my children. And, uh, and as we look through the lens now, over the past 12 years, I, I see that. You know, one of the great evidences of that is, you know, our, one of our daughters is getting married next month. And I get, you know. Yay. And, yes. and to a God-fearing young man who happens to have the greatest name in the world, uh, shares my name. Uh, and, uh, and she's marrying a David. Yes. Yeah, we're still not sure how we're going to address that. I haven't gotten there. David, David. Julissa, my daughter, yeah. married a Kevin. I don't know. I guess that's great names thing. just great work. Names. Yeah. Yeah. You for counsel. But I, you know, I, I look at the decisions, you know, if you look at just her decision over uh, these decisions that she's made over these past 10 or 12 years, uh, if you would ask me 12 years ago, would I have foreseen what is going on in their life right now? There's no chance. And to, to know, have the confidence that that is happening because of those decisions to follow Christ and to know that he has this greater good uh, for us in, in all that we do is just uh, amazing. It makes it super easy to trust uh, as we go down you know, these roads up through the mountain. That's a powerful motivator, I think, our kids. For, for a good marriage, it's just you want better for them. And if you, if you put the work in, it's, they're going to start at a higher level and be able to go farther. And that's always been a motivation for me. Yeah, go ahead. I just, um, you know, the decisions that we had been making up to that point, I want to create, a, create a, quite a wake, yeah. you know, right. and uh, we didn't want that for them. And so we can only make the decisions going forward. doesn't mean you don't have regrets. It doesn't mean you don't go sit in that occasionally because you know what it does. And that's what I meant by you bring everybody else with. So what we can do now is have the solid foundation, the solid marriage. Um, Show them what that is. But I will tell you, 
you know, when I came into the marriage, if I hadn't had Jesus with me, um, there was only one common denominator from the first marriage, and uh, that was not going to, that didn't go so well. So we knew that wasn't going to go so well, yeah. which is part of why our first date was uh, at 12 Stone. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. I no. did not know that. Central yeah. Campus. Central Campus. Oh, See, look, we are a dating service. <laughs> if you're single, you're out looking, this is where you show up. <laughs> it was really important. Like, I just needed him to know uh, that that was an That's absolute great. non-negotiable because it was the only way I was making it through, and I, and I knew that that was the only way we were going to make it through. One of the things I appreciate, and I know you're getting this wherever you're listening and right here in the room, and is so often we put the best of who we are out front because we want that to be seen. That the, hence, you know, if you just look below the, the cracks, you're like, oh, I, I want this. I want to look better than I live. And we'll pick some of that stuff up ne- next Sunday in the teaching that's part of the book. But, but right here, when you sit in this, if you could just have the honest to God uh, conversation with him and you and say, well, these are hollow decisions. If you'll call the hollow decision a hollow decision, if you just own it and you say, God, we need your help. How do we, how do we go make uh, solid decisions? He can do these kinds of stories and they're profound. Okay. I get to this, but you, you've said this and I don't want to miss this and we'll be done. We've chosen several non-negotiable values. You've used that in the kind of interview conversation prep for the book. We've chosen several non-negotiable values for our new blended family. Commitment with honesty. So if you're like, well, what are some of the specifics? You, you said these three. Commitment with honesty. Alignment with unity. Good choices to define quality of life. Do you hear those three? Do you want to comment on any of those? Uh, how those are important? In- uh, so... I think we've covered the honesty piece, right? And, and we still have our little stumbling blocks there, and then we come back uh, just so that fissure doesn't become a canyon, which makes it much harder to cross. Uh, and so honesty was certainly a big one for us. Yeah, if, 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 if we don't do those things, uh, and we didn't do them ahead of an event like you saw on the screen, you, you get undone. And our, fortunately for us, we, we started working towards those to a point where we were fighting uh, and never fighting each other and continue to not fight with each other. Whether it's the smallest thing, uh, it could be the smallest thing in the morning when we get up and, and maybe we're running late to church to the largest thing like that, we're always together within that fight. There are no little cracks. And the unity was key there. So we're partners. Uh, But that also means that uh, something that we don't do is go cut each other down with other people. That's part of that unity. Um, You know, we're in this till the end. And so, you know, we laugh when we do argue because we have one. Actually, recently, Recently, we had one. Well, let's and just recently, put it right on the table. Don't get together. I won't go into the details, but what I would say is I, when I walked into the house, so, you know, I did one of these, um, I'm going to take the dog for a walk, uh, and took the dog for the walk. I was so angry, and I came back, and he's sitting on the couch, and uh, I was really hoping he'd kind of disappeared up into the room so we could continue this tension because it's so fantastic, and... Um, <laughs> And I walk in and I, I look and he goes, uh, what'd you say? I said, is this the end? Like, are we, are we done? 
Like, is our marriage over? And she looked at me like I was an idiot. And, uh, but that was my point. Yeah. My point was, this is such a blip for us. And when she talks about not saying anything bad, like when we have discussions amongst ourselves, we have the permission to share. But when we're outside of that, I hate the words always and never, but I have never said anything destructive, uh, negative, passive aggressive uh, to anyone outside of the two of us about my wife. I would, I, I, that's, that's a non-negotiable uh, for me. Uh. Are you, are, are we all getting these? Like you go figure it out. Go have the marriage dialogue, go settle and solve what's non-negotiable. What's this Matthew seven insight from the Lord. And, uh, remember you can put that back on the screen guys. Wait, do you remember? How do you, how do you build a solid life? Well, the answer is put the non-negotiables, settle it right now. Start making solid decisions and make Jesus your non-negotiable. All right. We, we got to wrap this. I could, we could sit this and we have for hours before with you, but David, I'm going to ask you to do something. I, I, I called him and talked to him yesterday. I said, I'm going to ask you to pray. Would you be willing? And you agreed. Um, you've been prayed over. Your marriage has been prayed over by many. I, I, we're not making light of this. When, when, when you feel like you're sitting in a hollow uh, marriage, it's a profound thing to re-envision that God could build it solid and to be prayed over and ask that God would help those who are in some hollow places I'll lean into uh, the power and the spirit of God and his help is a profound thing. So would you uh, pray for him and, and then we'll be done. So bow our heads, would you? The, the thing I'd ask is for each of the married couples to put your hand on your spouse. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for this message. Uh, for those married couples who are solid, who have more solid than hollow, uh, I pray over you to have uh, the confidence and the charge to go and help others. Help others uh, in their marriage that don't have that solid foundation. And, and have the confidence to go speak the words of Christ uh, so that you can help change uh, the future uh, for, for those other married couples. For those who are uh, more hollow than solid, God, please pour into them the ability uh, for great decision-making, for continuous choices to put them closer to you so that they can have that solid uh, that, that they yearn for. Please, Holy Father, uh, help them and guide them. And especially uh, for the men, men at 12 Stone, we have a charge. <laughs> We have a calling. We need to lead. We need to lead well. And I pray over each one of you in a way that you will have favor to lead your marriage well, to lead for your children, to see that generational sin fall away, and just see this love of Christ uh, that will flourish uh, within you and others uh, that you touch in your community. And I ask this. With, uh, with everything that I have in your great name, because you are the God of answered prayers. Amen. Amen. And everyone agreed saying, amen. amen. Would you join me in thanking David and Lonnie for being willing to come and share your story? So I'm going to turn the service over to the campus pastors, and they're going to take you to the next level. Enjoy. 
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.